Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Next on SportsCenter, the next LeBron face-to-face tonight with LeBron. What lessons does the king have in store for the sensational Ben Simmons? What, and more importantly, who or who is next for Tennessee after the Greg Schiano disaster? But first, Urban Meyer and Lane Kiffin get the last word on the wildest story of the college football weekend. And will Chip Kelly be as successful at his next stop as he was two stops ago, as in the last time he coached and dominated on the college level? We are covering that and much more, as always, in tonight's 6 at 6. But we start with beefing with his all-star big and losing eight straight, getting one of the NBA's bright young coaches 86th in Memphis. Uh, Some stunning news out of the NBA. Memphis coach David Fisdale was fired earlier this afternoon and replaced with interim coach J.B. Bickerstaff. Fisdale's firing comes a day after the Grizzlies lost to the Nets, during which Mark Gasol was mysteriously benched in the fourth quarter. Now, the loss, it dropped Memphis to 7-12, and they've lost eight straight. One big reason is the absence of Mike Conley, who has been nursing a sore Achilles and has not played since November 15th. Now, Fisdale, he has an excellent reputation among players, so it wasn't surprising that some of his former players, whose names I think you're familiar with, Voice their disapproval on Twitter. LeBron, D. Wade, Vince Carter, who plays in Memphis. Uh, that was a stunning, stunning dismissal. Okay, Woj, you broke the story about Fizdale's firing. Was this about the losing streak, benching Gasol last night, or all of the above? A little bit all of the above, Jamel. But I think Fizdale may have been able to survive the eight-game losing streak. I'm told... Mike Conley still a couple weeks away from being able to return, but his relationship uh, with Marcus Saul uh, has not been good since last season, and you saw it escalate on Sunday night in the loss to the Nets. Uh, Gasol was very emotional um, after the game because of that fourth quarter benching. This has gone on for a while. Uh, there's been frustration on both sides. Gasol in playing for Fisdale and Fisdale in coaching. Gasol. And and you know how it ends up in the NBA, Jamel. Uh, The star player is going to survive. The coach is going to go. And that's a decision that Memphis made today. With all due respect, this is to Gasol, that is. This is an aging star player and a bright young coach who had a a great season despite some adversity, namely injuries last year. So if this had been boiling for a while between Gasol and Fisdale, why was this the tipping point? Why choose the player, the star player in Memphis, but why choose the player over the young coach, uh, you know, especially given the circumstances? Was this a situation where they said, hey, you need to play Gasol, and Fizdale said, you're not going to rook me? You're not going to make me play a guy I don't want to play in the fourth quarter? I, I don't think there's any question that Marcus Saul is going to play and be an integral part. There's no question there was a message uh, that Fizz tried to send last night, whether that was to Gasol, whether that was to management. You know, there were some people around the organization who wondered, was that a, it's going to be him or me mm-hmm. type of decision? Because Fizz knew what the consequences of that uh, really public embarrassment of Gasol was going to be. He knew how, I think he knew how Gasol would react. And, and he was defiant in his press conference about 
Uh, he, he didn't back away from it or back down when he talked later after the game. Uh, what this tells you about Memphis is they are going to continue to go down the road with Marcus Saul, Mike Conley. They're not looking for a rebuild. They're not looking to move those players while they may still have real value out there. Memphis is an organization that has to continue to keep fans in the stands, uh, sell tickets. Um, they're not, they made it clear who their future is with, and in their minds it's still Marcus Saul and, and, by extension, Mike Conley. A lot of change in the grindhouse. Woj, great work as always. Thank you, man. Yeah. Uh, Fisdale, I'm sorry. Thanks, I was going to say, and I had Vince Carter in Memphis still. Forgot he's in Sacramento. Easy to forget. Yeah. Uh, Fisdale is the second coach to be fired this season. Suns fired Earl Watson just three games into the year, but before then, the last head coach to be fired in the NBA was May 2016, also a Grizzlies coach. That would be Dave Yeager. Just want to point out, Grizzlies started 5-1 and one with two wins over the Rockets and the Warriors in that. Mike Conley, you mentioned, hasn't played since November 13th. 0-6 are the Grizzlies since. During this eight-game losing streak, shooting 30% from three, worst in the NBA during that span, and Marcus Gasol, 39% from the floor, 27 turnovers, most on the team. You know what I'm saying, Jamel? Is that good? Take that for data. <laughs> FYI, future Hall of Fame tight end and former Vols great Jason Witten says he's not interested in the UT coaching vacancy, which remains so after the school backed out of its memorandum of understanding with Ohio State defensive coordinator Greg Schiano amid heavy criticism from fans, state representatives, gubernatorial candidates, and on-campus protests. Complaints stemming from a deposition in a case related to the Penn State Jerry Sandusky scandal that suggested Schiano might have been aware of Sandusky's sexual abuse against children, though Schiano has said he never saw abuse or had any reason to suspect it while working at Penn State. This is a statement from Tennessee AD John Curry. We carefully interviewed and vetted him as we do candidates for all positions. He received the highest recommendations for character, family values, and commitment to academic achievement and student-athlete welfare from his current and former athletic directors, players, coaching colleagues, and experienced media figures. Here's Shiano's current boss, Urban Meyer. No, I'm not, I'm not angry. Uh, I just I'll make this comment that I've apologized. I've said it many, many times. He's an elite person, elite father, elite husband, elite friend, and elite football coach. I stand by my coach, and um, I, I just don't know enough, and I, I, it's not fair to my players to make any more comments than that because we, we have a huge game this week. All right, Chris Lowe, you are in Knoxville. You've been all over this story. Now, a deal memo was supposed has supposedly been issued. Uh, Greg Schiano, we believe, signed it. The question is, did Tennessee sign it as well? And what's sort of the fallout from that and whether or not they may have to pony up some money to ultimately close the chapter on this situation? Yeah, Jamel, as if this story couldn't get any more bizarre, John Curry, Tennessee's athletic director, did sign the memorandum of understanding, and so did Greg Schiano. But here's the catch. Tennessee Chancellor Beverly Davenport, I'm told, today did not sign that memorandum of understanding. And you can bet lawyers on both sides will be arguing whether that still makes it a binding legal document. All right, now to whom does Tennessee turn next? Well, that's the great story here. Listen, this is going to be a tough job to feel with everything that's going on here. Uh, the events of Sunday it was already a tough job. When you look at the lack of stability at Tennessee over the last 10 years, this is already going to be the fifth different head football coach at Tennessee in 11 years. And now you've got this stain. I think you go down the road of David Cutcliffe because it's going to take somebody that understands this place, someone who's been there, 
been here who's invested. David Cutcliffe obviously is that person. I don't know that David Cutcliffe is ready to leave Duke and come back to Tennessee. Somebody in the Tennessee family. What about Kevin Steele? Auburn's defensive coordinator, who's done a terrific job there. He's been in a lot of different places in the SEC. He's as good a recruiter as there is. I think he could help bring the Tennessee family back together. T. Martin's another one. There we go. The USC offensive coordinator, who was a quarterback at Tennessee in 98 when Tennessee last won its national championship. I think T. would surround himself with a veteran staff. He would recruit his rear end off. He's another guy. And if you're going to go with maybe guys who are no longer in the business right now, what about Les Miles at LSU? I think he would be interested in Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's done a tremendous job at FAU. Wait, and he Kiffin, told me what? jokingly when I was with him a few weeks ago, wait, he wait, said I'm people sorry, break I'm up sorry. all the time I'm sorry, you said, you get I'm back sorry. together. I think I got a bad connection here, Chris. You said Lane Kiffin? Is that what you said? And, and, and we're talking about Tennessee? Hey. Lane Kiffin. Hey, Pete, when people want to win and they want to win in the SEC, uh-huh. they have short memories sometimes. <laughs> wow. Oh wait, I said there you go when you said T. Martin because I was wondering where his name was and all of this. I didn't think you were going to pull Lane Kiffin out on us. <laughs> Woo, that, that would be that, interesting. I guess that would be fitting, well, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you, Chris. Thank we you, appreciate Chris. it. All right. Uh, said, you, Kiffin. You bet, guys. He said it's true. Wow. Um, that's what happens when you win. You can forget a lot. But it's a lot of new faces in new places in the SEC. Five different schools will have new head coaches next season. Florida officially announced Dan Mullen as its head coach earlier. Also, Mississippi State. Arkansas, I needed a good laugh. Tennessee, <laughs> as we just talked about. Texas A&M, they will all have new coaches. FYI, this list does not include Ole Miss because the school named Matt Luke, its head coach, after he had the interim tag in 2017. A lot of shenanigans going on in college football. Who better to bring into Discuss them with us, then Marcus Spears, who joins us now from the SEC Network. Bro, now- will you listen to that just now? <laughs> will you listen to Lane, Lane, Kiffin. Lane Kiffin? Mike, Mike, with, after today covering the SEC, <laughs> nothing surprises <laughs> me anymore, <laughs> boss. Fair enough. No, Fair enough. I, I understand this is one of the most bizarre coaching situations or coaching searches I've ever seen. It was handled about as poorly as one could have imagined, but ultimately – Marcus, did Tennessee do the right thing by backing out of this deal with Shiano, even though it's awkward and it's messy? Jamil, it's two parts. I think one part is you know the fans and supporters did not like this. And let's just be honest. We know college football, and they like to add that amateur tag to this game. This is about resources and money. And if you don't have the support from the people that actually came out against Greg Shiano signing – your program could get set back even further than it is right now with all of this debacle that's going on. So it's just a lot of things that have transpired over the last day and a half, per se, that is creating a whole different scenario in college football. The fans literally know now we have a voice. We can rally and be against or either with someone that a school hires. It just sets a new president. It's going to be interesting to see how Tennessee progress after this. Yeah, that's what's so weak about it, guys, because, I mean, if you got conviction about it, if you vetted it as thoroughly as you claim to have, you should have expected this reaction. Yeah. And you should have been comfortable yes. enough to stand on this decision and say, we know what we're doing here. He's the best coach. He's clear of everything. I mean, it's just well, it's bad Well, here's the other thing, though. You, you, said, you just said this uh, a second ago, that fans know that now that they can run things. I don't know. I think this is a specific Tennessee thing because I don't know if this happens at a a lot of other institutions. It also may not happen with a different coach. He's also not the sexiest guy, too. Yeah, but think about it, it, guys. We always talk about this, right? And we know the economics of of sports in general, right? So college lifeblood 
is boosters and how much people pay and selling season right. tickets. So it's a different dynamic when you start to talk about a program that is totally against bringing a guy in. And look, the allegations, as, at this point, there's no validity to it. There's no uh, evidence that Greg Schiano covered up anything. None of that has, has transpired or came forth. Here's the issue, though. When you're talking about a college football program yep. that really dictates a lot what goes on in all of sports at that program and is the highest generator in revenue, you got to make a decision about if I'm going to stand firm because I vetted and made this decision or I'm going to have 10,000 people in the stands every weekend no, because we boycotting and protesting no, Tennessee football you, you're, games. You're spot on. You got to win the press conference. You got to win over the sales pitch of this because it's going to make it that much harder for them to win games if not. And, and so look, right. let's be honest here. The, some Tennessee fans, not all, they got their mouth all watered up for some hash when they heard our <laughs> colleague's name, John Gruden. Right. People, stop going for that. He's not coming. Stop calling for the banana <laughs> right. in the tailpipe. Exactly. Fierce, we appreciate the knowledge as always, man. Thank you. All right, family. Let's get to perhaps the sexiest NBA game of the week. Ben Simmons averaging 18.5 points, 9.1 rebounds, 7.7 assists on 51% shooting from the field through 17 games. If he can keep those averages up for another three, starting tonight against the Cavs, for whom he's warming up right now, he joined the Big O as the only guy to average 18, 8, and 7 in his first 20 games, but they didn't say he was the next next Oscar. They said he was the next LeBron. It's been going on for several years now, and Simmons does, in fact, compare pretty favorably to James in terms of filling up the box, at least this early in their careers. Actually, through their first 17 games, Simmons is slightly ahead of James in points, rebounds, and assists per game. And as an expert on such lofty comparisons, LeBron, however, says not so fast on this one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's for you. That's for you guys. You guys do that comparison. Ben is his own makeup of speed, power, quickness, ability to pass the ball, ability to have a feel for the game. The game is Ben, and I am who I am. So on and so on. You guys kind of do that first. It's a big game in Philly. You know Sal Powell in the building. Sal, our Bo Jackson here at ESPN, all-star in two sports, legend in two games like Pee Wee Kirkland. Uh, speaking of lofty comparisons, how are the Sixers reacting to the Ben Simmons-LeBron talk? Well, Ben Simmons just talked in the locker room, and he said, quote, I'm not going to back down from anyone, and this includes his mentor, LeBron James. And Brett Brown said that Ben Simmons will play on LeBron James tonight. He'll get a little Robert Covington in relief, but it's going to be Simmons versus LeBron. So there's a lot of snap, crackle, pop in this building tonight when you have these two young players 76ers Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. The Sixers are in the win column for the first time at 11 and 7 on the heels of the King and LeBron James. And Brett Brown, the head coach of the Sixers, was asked about the comparison. He said, Listen, LeBron James is NBA royalty. I respect the way he plays the game, I respect the way he carries the NBA logo. Ask me about the comparison sometime later on. Then he was asked, what kind of advice would you give Ben Simmons in this game? And he said, play fast with your feet, play slow with your head. That's what I tell all my young players. But Ben Simmons has shown an extraordinary amount of poise, and he takes to that coaching very, very well. But he reminded him, you're playing NBA royalty. Don't back down. Don't shy away from it. Don't go looking for autographs. 
You're here to win a ball game. I also take notes from LeBron and how to play the public. Made some friends in Philly by saying Carson Wentz is his favorite player. Speaking of friends, hey, do us a favor, um, Sal. Tell Embiid it took us a while, but we finally got the joke. He'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> all right? He'll know, he'll know what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, look shaky for a second. Thanks, Sal. Right. Look shaky for a second. But in the end, no shenanigans in Westwood. The one-time college football wizard signed Chip Kelly to a five-year, $23 million deal. Sealed, delivered, and introduced today back in the Pac-12 after four seasons in the NFL and one with us. Before the Eagles and Niners disasters, for those with short memories, 46-7 and seven in four years at Oregon. I think if you've been around long enough, you can trust your gut. Uh, and, and maybe it, it makes you go back and look at your values and vision and do they match. And then I think I was fortunate that I didn't have to take a job. Um, but if I was going to take a job, it was going to be the right job. You know, and I think sometimes um, your hubris can can probably get the best of you and just say, well, I'll go there and I'll just change everything. You know, where sometimes it's a lot easier when uh, everybody's already rowing the boat in the right direction. And when I met Dan and, and talked to Josh and, and Chancellor Block about um, their values and visions of this place, it, it, uh, we were aligned. So I thought, I thought that was really important for me. All right, Shelly Smith, Mike's favorite cousin, joins us now. A lot of people happy around <laughs> UCLA, unlike at Tennessee, for example. Uh, you spoke with Chip Kelly earlier. What was your biggest takeaway from that conversation? Uh, Jamel, Michael, because uh, <laughs> as long as I have known Chip Kelly, which has been since 2007, when he was the offensive coordinator under Mike Bellotti, this was the most relaxed and conversational and funny that he has ever been. He was cracking one-liners the whole press conference. Someone said, are you going to run the same offense that you ran at, at Oregon? He said, no, all those players are gone now. I contacted LaMichael James, and he's not going to come back. And he talked about, you people here in Los Angeles, you say it's cold. I said, well, it is cold. It's like 65 in the shade. He goes, that's not cold. He was just funny, and he was relaxed. He seemed like this job suits him. There were about 300 people in the room. They're standing and cheering and ready to welcome him. There is a plane flying overhead that says, welcome to USC, or to UCLA, <laughs> excuse me, Uh-oh. Chip Kelly. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But like two, two years ago, there was a plane that said, fire Steve Alford. So that's how fast fans can switch here, just like I switch between USC and UCLA. He is at UCLA, and he's very happy about it, guys. Those beats all run together, Shelly. We know how it is. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, Shelly, for joining us. All right, we got uh, Joe Flacco arriving for tonight's Monday night game, which is one that could go a long way in terms of staying in the wild card hunt with Houston being at 4-6 and and the Ravens at 5-5. By the way, Ravens have three shutouts this season, including two in their last three games. Houston's still in it. Here's Lisa Salters. Yes, they are, with more. Hey, guys. Well, one subplot of interest tonight is the downfield passing game. The Ravens' offense can't seem to do it very well, and the Texans can't seem to defend it very well. Entering the week, Baltimore did not have a wide receiver in the top 75 in the league in receiving yards. They have just seven pass plays all season that have gone for 25 or more yards. And in the last five games, Joe Flacco has completed one pass thrown more than 20 yards downfield. Enter the Texans secondary, which has allowed an NFL worst completion rate of nearly 49 percent on those deep balls, with offenses rolling up 20 such completions and six touchdowns. Ravens coach John Harbaugh says if they can just be top 15 offensively the rest of the way, their defense and special teams, which he says are top three, they'll make them a team people don't want to see down the stretch. 
And here are your updated odds alert. Westgate has updated the odds to win the national championship uh, title. And Alabama has 4-1 to one odds to win it all. Tied with Clemson and Oklahoma for the best. But make the playoff to win that title, right? <laughs> to win the national uh, title. Okay. But lo and behold, Auburn right behind them at 9-2. You see Ohio State and Georgia. All right, David Pollack, who joins us now. David, what are the odds? Your top six looks a lot different this week because of Alabama's <laughs> loss. Uh, they definitely look a lot different. And you can take Alabama and put them all the way down to six. But, I mean, you look at Auburn. Auburn, to me, when you start looking at teams and we start poking holes in all these different teams, Auburn doesn't really have a glaring weakness. And I would put them at number one. I would put Oklahoma like at number it. two. I would, I would put Clemson at number three. Clemson actually was very, very impressive this past week. I, I then would follow that up with Wisconsin and then Georgia and then Alabama. Um, so I think, uh, I think there's, a, there's six teams that are very much still in the hunt for the college football playoff. See, that's how you do that's it. That's a hot That's take. conviction. You're saying these are the best teams. Not the <laughs> yes. best record. Not the best. These are the best teams. I like how you do that. Uh, on the flip side, you got Texas A&M moving on from Kevin Sumlin after six seasons. Is Jimbo Fisher a likelihood? And if so, why does that make sense for both sides? I th- when you first hear it, it's kind of a shock. And you're like, why would Jimbo Fisher leave Florida State? He's got it made. You know, eight top 25 finishes. And you look at uh, four top 10 finishes. Here's the thing. There's a, there's a bad year at Florida State. And you see all the backlash and all the hate. And you can tell it's irritated Jimbo Fisher. Michael Jamel, what happens when you go to a new location? You get a new contract. So Jimbo Fisher gets... Five more years, and he's going to get paid a lot more money for leaving Florida State. That clock ticks again now. Now, if he has a bad season, it's not going to be like, oh, fire Jimbo Fisher. And they're going to he's love laying it. the Yeah, he's laying the groundwork, and think about it, too. There's some coaching changes that people talk about probably needed to happen at Florida State. His offensive line coach, Trickett, has struggled. Kelly, the D.C., has struggled. Now you go over to Texas A&M, maybe you change some staff members. It's in a better position. I actually think Jimbo Fisher will go to Texas A&M. Sometimes it's smart to get out before they push out. Yeah, and they they got got long dough at A&M. (laughs) Always smart to do that. (laughs) All right, thanks, David. Appreciate it. How do you contain Bagley? I have no idea. Bagley wants it. Got Kulachov on him. Nothing you can do. Bagley will take a three and knock it down. Carter, no pull. Bagley the finish. Think he's got any talent? I think he's going to be okay. (laughs) I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that tournament, and not just because Michigan State beat up on UNC. Jay Williams. That was part of it, though. That was part of it. It's okay to say that. It was a lot of reasons. And one of them was that gentleman uh, that the Florida coach was asked about, Marvin Mm -hmm. Bagley. Look, I never saw Michael Porter play. You have. Michael Porter Jr. I can't imagine that he... Is he that much better than, than, than Marvin Bagley, who I'm looking at? 30 points, 15 rebounds as they overcame a 17 point lead. I mean, is Marvin Bagley now... He's gotta be the best player in the country. I, I think Marvin Bagley is the most dominant player on the collegiate level right okay. now. And a lot of it is because of the team he plays on, mm-hmm. too. But, look, he's like a young Derek Coleman, right? Like, he's a workhorse. And there's, there's some and he's people. he's young as he to understand that's a compliment. Exactly. Because DC used to get buckets. DC was crazy athletic <laughs> right. and crazy Seriously. talented with Derek Coleman. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And the reason why you like Marvin Bagley, there, there's some people in the league, and you guys know who these people are without me saying names, they, they like the game for what the game brings to them aesthetically, materialistically, no doubt. right? There's some dudes who are just dogs. Right. Like, Marvin Bagley is a dog. He loves being in the gym. Right. And the fact that he dropped 34 and 15 on Muhammad Bamba, who has a 7'9 wingspan, that's about the length of your desk, okay? <laughs> he dropped 30 and 15 on Florida. First player in Duke history dropped back-to-back 30-point games and 15 rebounds. The kid is absurd. Yeah. And uh, he's built for the collegiate level. 
But as we talk about the NBA level, I would still draft Michael Porter ahead of him if really? Michael Porter is healthy, and I would still take DeAndre well, Ayton yeah, from Porter Arizona over him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, now, of course, as I mentioned, Michigan State. I promise, I did not. Put I was this. actually going to ask this question. But Were you? Because I, I did not. Put, I did I not. Put she just took this. over the whole interview. No, she just hijacked I did it, though. Not. I like it though. I'm no, okay with different it. than usual. But <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to. I want to kind of belie the appearance. Of you know bias. what, Mike? Help me out. No, no, go ahead. Like a good Michigan State question. Go ahead. Clearly, with the impressive win over North Carolina, probably most dominant defense I've seen them play this season. Uh, it was. Jay, am I lying? No, no, you're right. Thank you. I'm just laughing at the fact that there's a question. Yes, yes. There yes. is a question. This is not just about compliments. <laughs> they won their side of the bracket at the PK80. Looking at Duke, looking at Michigan State, clearly the two best teams. I, I would say the two best teams okay. right now. As of right now, they're, they're playing smart, at, the, <laughs> at the highest level. Yes, if you don't with want her being within striking distance for me, I'm going to leave with Michigan State. You know what? Um, I, I think still in my joy today. I will just say this about Michigan State. Yeah. There, there's some teams that just, and it's always about time team, and I think they have the talent this year. They just love to be on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. They love it. And you mm-hmm. don't see a lot of teams love that. Mm-hmm. The only question for them comes down if they have shooters. Mm-hmm. Josh Langford, Matt McQuaid need to be at a high level from them to win the championship. And I love Uber. that you love that they love to be on the defensive end. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't love it. Right. I, I love you all like that. Like right. <laughs> and I think we're this close to getting Marvin Bagley. That would have been illegal, I'm telling mm-hmm. you. Um, thank you. Yeah, and by the way, <laughs> see? I didn't say see? it. See? I didn't see, you say it. Right. What? Hoodie is a 1 0. That's all we need to know. You got to take it to the ground, though, but that's another conversation. You got to pick up the money. That's what we call it in Detroit. Exactly. So, Clark? RC, Eagles, all the right moves these days. Do the Rams have anything for them in the NFC? They don't. No? No? Nope. That's a quick answer. So, the Rams just knocked off your Saints. Yeah, the Rams they, played really they good. They have been the most complete team in the league going into mm-hmm. that game, and the Rams showed themselves. Yeah, but are you complete when you're incomplete? Come on, I feel now. like you need to do this. Come on. Like Tony said, like Tony Romo said on one-third down. They could play zone or they could play man. Mind blown. Here's the thing. You go into the game, there's no Crowley. There's no Lattimore on defense. Uh, Okafor's out for the year. Yeah. And so you look at what Jared Goff was able to do. I thought it was amazing. I thought he hit the right guys. I thought Cooper Cup made some huge plays. And he didn't have Robert Woods. We got to see Sammy Watkins do some things. Here's the thing. Before Robert Woods became the Robert Woods, we knew in L.A., we wasn't checking for Robert Woods. I've met my quarter of saying Robert Woods in one statement. And so I still think that the Philadelphia Eagles are the most complete team. They defend outside the numbers, which I thought could be the only problem. Carson Wentz, red zone efficiency is off the charts. Yep. Offensively, they're running the ball well. They're good on special teams. The Rams are a very good team, but now watching these teams as constructed yesterday and this week, Minnesota looks to be the more complete team playing the better. In terms of a challenge. In terms of a challenge. They're the challenge. The Saints' injuries and sloppiness, so they may have been their own undoing yesterday, so that's yeah. fair. Yeah, we heard that uh, your prediction was all Pittsburgh Super Bowl, correct? That would be impressive. Yeah, man. Oh, oh, sorry, all Pennsylvania, not <laughs> Pittsburgh. My bad. I, yeah, I knew, I knew what you, I knew what, what you mean. We, I knew what you mean. But you see, though, but, hey, but you see how like, I ain't even throw you no, out you there, though. See, I was going to ride with you. This one over here just laughing. Just I, was, sorry. I was going to ride with you. All right, thank you, Ryan. But anyway, all it Pennsylvania. Was. That's what I thought. Okay, all right. Well, let's talk like about lit. the Steelers then and last night. Steelers, they're on a three-game win streak after their 31-28 victory against the Packers on the road. Bengals and Ravens up next on the schedule. Mike Tomlin, though, had some interesting comments. Uh, Seems like he's already looking ahead to the Patriots. Which I thought he was just being honest. He was, but I didn't expect him to be honest 
in that way. Because coaches, even when they want to say it, they usually typically don't say it. But he's talking about it's going to be fireworks and all this other stuff. The like, second game will be determined by the first game. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what's extremely um, intriguing about that is Coach Tomlin had a saying that he would never give people a window into his soul. Mm-hmm. So when you talk, when you looked at his post-game press conferences, you know he kind of kept it real cliche. Mm-hmm. It was always like a catchphrase or something. And so I thought this was extremely telling. It's like when basketball players get old and they know they're going to the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and they start saying whatever the heck they want. He kind of got to that point like, look, this old is what it is. Getting ready to go to heaven. Or that. They just keep it <laughs> They just know. It's or hell. Sure. I mean, I'm sure, that, I'm sure it don't matter where they're going. Right. They just mean it. They know as they ain't be. got much time. You know what I mean? But he's kind of telling you what it is. Like, these are the two teams right now that are playing the best ball in the AFC. And he talked about the fireworks, though. If their defense plays like they played last night, oh, it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be lit up. And it's going to be all yeah. Tom Brady. They got to shore some things up. They actually made Brett Hundley look like he could play. Last night, when every other that team that feels like a sneak diss. It, was, every, it wasn't even a sneak diss. When every other team has shown that he can't, right? So they better shore that up because Tom Brady will exploit that, and it'll have to be a Le'Veon Bell, Martavius Bryant, Antonio Brown show just to keep the game right. close. No, and he was also comfortable with Coach Dungy, obviously. So mm-hmm. it was the setting, but it's right. interesting how you know coaches will be like, "Hey, don't let anybody in our locker room." Antonio Brown live messaging, right? But this is now a window to your point into our overall thinking. But look, I appreciate I like it. it. I like he, no. he recognize the elephant. It's good for us. Right. Right. You know, because that's what we know you actually are thinking about. They just don't like Jamel said, though. They don't usually give it to you. Correct. Well, that's why Coach T is Coach T. Alex Smith, though, has not been good for the Chiefs. Is it time for Andy Reid to make a move to Patrick Mahomes? No, not yet. Not yet, because you came in with the plan, and right now you're squarely uh, positioned that you can still win the AFC West and still compete. Andy Reid has to get out of the gimmicky I need to be so creative play calling and do some straightforward things that allowed him to get Kareem Hunt in his running game going again because that's when they were good at the beginning of the season. Now, you lose two more in a row, Alex Smith doesn't produce because right now, and Jamel knows this better than anybody being a 49ers fan, like, he, some shade. He, he kind of came, no shade, he kind of came back to the mean. Mm-hmm. The guy we were seeing the first five games is the guy that had us all reluctant to still be like, yeah, but... You know, that's not really what he does. Mm-hmm. And now he's kind of fell back. So Andy Reid's going to have to create some things because they don't have that guy on the outside that just make plays. And you only play Mahomes if he's ready to be better than Alex Smith. Right. Like, right. You, don't, you, don't throw him, you don't concede the season. You don't make the Peterman it for sure. No. That's, that should be a verb. Exactly. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> you don't say don't this is for next year when you can still get in it this exactly. year with Alex Smith. And you know you'll make a change after right. this year. I'm anyway. rooting for that all Pittsburgh Super Bowl. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, it's going to be a one-team joint. Jeffrey said at the beginning of the year that – well, the young quarterback, when he starts his first year, he learns what he learns. The second year, he makes a few more steps. But his third year and fourth year is when he kind of explodes. Have we seen maybe a premature explosion? Or is there still an explosion? Rephrase. All right, uh, let's regroup here. Let's regroup. <laughs> Doug Peterson is such a child. I guess he didn't let that one go by. Um, speaking of which, speaking of, and I, and I, he's, he's cold-blooded on He Twitter. is. This is, this is kind of good. I admire and aspire to be this level for of petty. A, for a tweeter, he's a really good coach. Uh, Lane Kiffin, so he mocked this CBS Sports headline suggesting Tennessee should go after him by tweeting, as Tennessee again finds itself engulfed in flames, <laughs> Lane Kiffin waits by his phone, not waiting at all, getting this team ready to win its ninth straight I mean, oh, it's every day with him. Shame. It's every day with him. <laughs> but you can't go back to Tennessee. Uh, you can go back. You can, you can go back to your ex. You can't go back to Tennessee. Never say never, Mike. You're Just right because I'm not in control of it. But I, 
that ended way too well, And I know everything ends badly, otherwise it wouldn't end, but that was extreme. Well, honestly, this is more, at least I look at this from the Tennessee perspective, considering... Is that desperate? Well, considering what just happened, not about them being desperate, like, considering the shenanigans that, that involve that, you can't go from that to this. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And you know he's going to play you again. <laughs> Just a matter of time. So apparently a lot of Auburn students got stuck in the bushes. I did notice this. Trying to celebrate in the plains of Tigers win over Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Gus Malzahn, man of the people that he is, celebrated at the Waffle House. Why would he do that to himself? Because he's not sedity. Private, this ain't private, about private school ain't got him all sedity like that. It's not about being sedity. You got to think, you got to love what? yourself a little better. Right? And Love yourself a little better. David Pollock says he's number one in the rankings, so he's so, eating that waffle. So this is part of that beating two number ones in the last three Who's weeks. Smothered, covered, or scattered, something like that. <laughs> so Baker Mayfield, this, this was a lot. So they brought his jersey out. Like they might as well put R.I.P. out there on it. Thank you. I was like, did, did they have airbrush like Tupac, Biggie, and Baker Mayfield somewhere, like so they can all take pictures? He only missed what two plays. I mean, what kind of what kind of suspension or what I'd kind of punishment was it? I suspend them for being it? silly. If I were, <laughs> for bringing the jerseys out? Yeah. If I were the coach, I'd be like, you know what? Y'all just undermine the entire point of him not <laughs> recognizing the coin toss. So you saw this. C.J. Beathard went down with an injury near the end of San Fran's loss to the Seahawks, which allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to come in and complete two passes, including one touchdown. After the game, Eric Reed, though, wasn't happy with some fans cheering Beathard's injury because they're really not fans. I starting quarterback got hurt and people are cheering before he even stands up. And that pisses me off. So uh, I'm disappointed in our fans. I, st- I understand the excitement about Jimmy. He's a great player. But that's not right. You always got a couple of idiots giving people a bad name. Yeah, that is not right. However, I was very encouraged when I, I no, I, of course I don't want Beathard no, to be injured. I'm, laughing at, I'm, I'm just saying, delivery. however. Yeah. It was it was very encouraging to see that. I know it was garbage time, but so I don't. I didn't watch this game. Yeah, I don't know the time. There was no reason could, for you to. But could they, right? Could they have been cheering for Garoppolo's injury and not necessarily that's possible for for Beathard to be hurt? Misfortune. Yeah, that's maybe true. just trying to give y'all the benefit of the doubt, which most people don't deserve. All right, so we got it. Round two. They've been waiting on this. Crabtree to leave. That's the grandma <laughs> shame, man. In the first quarter, they were ejected. Yes, to leave. Why you ain't help? <laughs> I would have helped y'all. See? Oh, but that was different, though. Um, snatch this chain again. What level of petty do you have to be to do this again? Tell him. I, I, look, he's, he's kind of a hero. <laughs> like, he's, he's a hero in this? There's a, there's a good guy. <laughs> he's kind of a hero for this. Because that is, that's such a petty level. To go right at the chain. To go right at the chain. Like, there was no question he was coming for the chain. Because even though Crab is like, okay, I swung on him a few times, poked him in the eye, this, that, and the other. At the end of the day, he got his chain snatched twice. Like, Tlaib will always have that over him. Like, I snatched your chain not once, but twice. It's hard to live that down. So you know what that means? They got to throw them dogs again. And whoever gets knocked down, get up like Zay Jones. It still does not make sense. <laughs> no, that does not make sense. Wait, that, that's got to be video enhancement or something. <laughs> Bruce Lee didn't get up like that. Let's go back to this Bears-Eagles game. A lot of great, wonderful things happened in it. Uh, Bears only scored three points in a blowout loss to the Eagles. But the Bears get a lot of points because, you know, you see the clever Firefox sign. It's probably that's one of the good. most clever signs that, I've, ever mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I've ever seen. I'm more of a Safari guy myself, but Firefox is pretty good. It is very good. Um, so much good stuff from this game. So the celebrations keep taking up another level. I Both, love this one. But the electric slide, Okay. even this, though we do the bus stop, 
to Mr. Magic by Grover Washington Jr. Where I'm from, watch 52. Watch 52. 52 just tapped out. He's like, all right, I can't keep up. The selfie one was good, too. And, of course, there's a lot of people having fun with the fact that Carson Wentz looks like Prince Harry. Congratulations. Actually, Prince Harry looks like Carson Wentz. You're right, because he's younger. No, because he's Carson Wentz. Who had like a good that. day? All right, good day for Spurs fans. Tony Parker uh, will make his debut tonight. 12-7 Spurs host the Mavs. He's been working out with the injured Kawhi Leonard, who's expected to be back in two to three weeks. All right, still good with all those two. Also, congratulations to Tevin Coleman of the Falcons. Two touchdowns against the Bucks yesterday. One for each of his twins. Oh. That's how you do it. Speaking of celebrations, you saw Pac-Man giving birth? Wait, that, what? He gave birth. 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 B-I-R-T-H. Okay, is this like birth. a medical mirror? That's it for the six. Four thirty things on ESPN News. He gave Big birth. Big ACC Challenge tips like, off with Maryland Syracuse next. So, like it was a celebration and he gave birth to the ball. Okay. It really, it really happened.